0: And welcome to Papaholics, the show where dad and daughter dish on pop culture over a drink. I'm Steve Hall. I'm Kate Hall. And I added the over a drink, uh, even though we're not technically drinking alcohol right now, I did want to talk about a beer I had over the weekend. uh, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Against the grain, I was at the Oktoberfest at Turner's uh, Louisville, their Mm -hmm. first Oktoberfest and Against the Grain was one of the sponsors and they had their um, Citra ass down, which I've had.
1: That one's good. It's really strong.
0: It's very good. I have to say anytime I've been to that brewery in downtown Louisville, I've had different beers. I've always liked them. They've always been really good. So (laughs) I go up to the beer wagon thing and ask what other what other uh, against the grain beers do you have here? And the guy goes, "Well, we've got you know Citriash Down, we got this, and then we've got this Dunkel." And I was like, "A Dunkel, okay, great, I'll have that because the Burning Snowman Dunkel from Kitab Island Brewing Company—that's one of my favorite beers ever. I love I love that uh, taste, and I've had other Dunkels that are good too. Yeah. So this Dunkel, I, I think there must have been a tap issue." <laughs> oh my gosh it was like it was like it was fizzy but it was sort of like flat coke do you know what i mean Uh, yeah i and i'm somebody who doesn't like to to like waste beer and i was just like (laughs) (laughs) but like i said against the grain sit your ass down and uh, uh, all their other beers that i've had um and i was trying to get the lager uh, but I didn't have enough tickets. Their, their lager, which is called beer. And so I ended up with this Dunkel. So, but like I said, all the other beers I've had from them are really
1: good. So, <laughs> just, just avoid the Dunkel.
0: Just avoid the Dunkel, uh, <laughs> particularly out at a beer trailer thing. Okay. <laughs> so we've got uh, Halloween coming up. And so I'm going to talk about a perennial holiday favorite, Hocus Pocus 2. Uh, is the sequel to Hocus Pocus 1. It's on Disney+. Plus. Uh, if you were a kid of a certain age, like
1: yeah.
0: Avery, uh, when the original Hocus Pocus movie came out in 1993, you will likely have a warm, fuzzy feeling towards the original that will carry over to the sequel 29 years later. Do you, okay. you remember watching Hocus Pocus 2, obviously, oh, yeah. right?
1: I still watch Hocus Pocus all the time.
0: Yeah. And what do you <laughs> like about Hocus Pocus?
1: I just, you know, I mean, the witches were the best part. But Midler and Serica, Serica, Sar- Sarah—that's
0: <laughs> a new person. Serica, she's my favorite.
1: Um, and Kathy, uh, the Um they are they were so funny and like scary, but not too scary. And you know, Gary—I um, almost said Gary Oldman. That's not, uh, that's not him. The guy that they, uh, damn it, dad.
0: (laughs) Are you talking about the guy who plays Billy Butcherson?
1: No, the, when they go and they're trick or treating and they, they go to the older couple's house. Oh, Gary
0: Marshall and Penny Marshall. Gary
1: Marshall, um, his little appearance there. And then like, uh, my favorite quote that I say it all the time is every full moon. I can't go out there. This like, what does she say something about? It's a full moon. The weirdos are out. Um, <laughs> which is so, still quotable. It's funny. I love that number where they do, I can't put a spell on you. can't it's put so a spell good. on you.
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So like Kate alluded to, the original Hoga- focus was the story of the Sanderson sisters, yeah. uh, three witches from Salem, Massachusetts, played by Bette midler Sarica, oh wait, that's Sarah Jessica Parker, (laughs) and Kathy Najami, who are resurrected accidentally by a virgin, and with the help of their magic book, they plan to terrorize Salem, and they're thwarted by some kids working together. Hocus Pocus 2 is the same plot, right down to Doug Jones back as zombie Billy Butcherson, and the sisters having a big musical number where they cast a spell on the townspeople. Uh, This time around, it's blondies one way or another. Okay. (laughs) And the townspeople do a dance clearly lifted from Michael Jackson's thriller video, that zombie dance, right? Yeah. And when the witches need to fly and broomsticks aren't available, they once again turn to some modern appliances. So not a lot original here, but who are we kidding? Your feelings of nostalgia for Hocus Pocus 1 will likely make you forgive the failings of the sequel. And I have to say that that Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Njami, they step right into these roles as if, again, as if 29 years hasn't happened. And they're obviously having a great time doing this. What's different this time? We find out how the Young Sanderson sisters became witches with the help of a witch mother played all too briefly by Hannah Wadikum, who is the boss on Ted Lasso. She's mm-hmm. in the movie for like a hot second. The magic book has more of a mind of its own. And we discover that Bet Member's Winnie Sanderson is not 100% bad. More like 99.5%
1: Nine. bad. <laughs> 5% bad.
0: <laughs> so that's Hocus Pocus 2 on Disney+. Plus.
1: The other thing sometimes less less often than um, the quote about full moon. So it's like it's just funny to just every once in a while be like, oh boo like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll have to check it out. I haven't watched it yet. I don't know if Harlan's if, if Resident Kid Expert is the right age and temperament for it. He gets a little freaked out uh But we'll we'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> I didn't feel like I didn't feel like there was. You know how it was really creepy in the original when Sarah Jessica Parker's character starts singing the children's song.
1: Yeah, that was really creepy.
0: And all the children start coming. They don't really have that here. They okay. have they have sequences where they're trying to cast magic on these teenagers, but the teenagers are a little too smart for them. So
1: yeah, okay,
0: it might okay. work for them. But you should just watch we'll it carefully.
1: It List. We'll put it on the. List. Uh, well, speaking of witches, I had briefly mentioned that I'd started a book called *The Witch's Daughter* by Paula Blackston. Last recording, I think, is when I mentioned that, and so I finished it, and I have to say, it was it was for the most part, it was a really enjoyable read. So, just to briefly sum it up, without giving anything away, uh, the main character Bess makes kind of no it's her choice I was gonna say it's not really her choice that she makes it but it, it is she makes a deal with a demon the devil we're not right you know we're not really sure if he is like Satan himself or not in England 1692 which if you know anything about what was happening at the time there was a lot of religious persecution going on there was a lot of fear of witchcraft and the dark arts and you know burning those ladies at the stake so that's kind of sets the tone so so best makes it a deal with this very evil figure england 1692 and then the story goes from there we stop in late 1800s uh london jack the ripper's afoot we go to world war pre-world war one into world war one france and there's a bunch of other little things that you're like, oh, how interesting <laughs> that <laughs> that that happened. And so, like I said, I really liked it for the most part. It it is a little more bloody than I was expecting it to be, a little bit more bloods and gut blood and guts than I had previously thought, but not to the point where I was like, oh, I gotta get away from this. The ending was a little abrupt.
0: It's kind of it's the first in like a series, right? Oh, is it? I think maybe I read that.
1: The, maybe that's why the ending was abrupt. So I, like, <laughs> I was like, oh, 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 we're done. Okay, <laughs> I'll have to go. I'll have to see if there's another another book in, in uh, if it is a series. Because I really was like confused that it just boom, we're done. So yeah. yeah. So anyways, that's The Witch's Daughter by Paula Blackson.
0: Okay. Well, continuing in this uh, supernatural theme, Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about a novel as well. uh, The Good House. Now, this is not the Anne Leary novel about affairs, feuds, and other scandals in a small New England town. Or the movie of the same name starring Kevin Kline and Signori Weaver. No. This, The Good House, is a 2004 supernatural suspense novel by oh my gosh this woman's name t-a-n-a-n-a-r-i-v-e do so tanner tanner do and this is one of the few horror novels i've read that draws from the black experience as well as the complexities of voodoo uh, the good house uh, is a house in sagachia washington Uh, much beloved by the people there, because it survived a natural disaster. And the person who owned the house, Marie Toussaint, played this big role in helping the townspeople through that time, uh, as well as she saved a child from apparent demonic possession. But that situation was more complex than it first appears in the book. And there was a cost to the Toussaint family. Now, years later, Marie's granddaughter, Angela, returns to the good house in an attempt to discover the truth behind the death of her son, Cory, in the basement. There are thrills and chills in this book, as well as horror worthy of Stephen King at his best. Dew also writes movingly about how racism has affected the Toussaint family from lynchings in the past to the more casual hatred today. Uh, rather than your typical haunted house or monster story i really liked how this book had voodoo at the heart of it which seemed kind of fresh novel and do does a great job explaining the different voodoo spirits and how they're both bad and good ones which plays an important part in part plot so the good house is a good read
1: (laughs) i love it when you come up with your little your catchy little like (laughs) Things that you just sprinkle in there, everyone. (laughs) Well, the only other thing I have to talk about, because I just started it last night, is a series that just debuted on Netflix called The Empress. It is a German filmed series about, we're going to do a little history dive, Deb, uh, about Elizabeth, more commonly known as uh, Cece or Sissy the Empress of Austria and Queen of Hungary. Do you know about this woman? No. Okay, so, because <laughs> there's... I needed a little bit more context when I started the series. So, it is English dubbed and there's subtitles, uh, so you'll be able to follow along. But this series tells the story of Elizabeth, starting with her... Not, uh, it's a little sketchy. Her dramatic, we'll say, courtship with Franz Josef, Joseph, the Emperor of Austria. And her having to navigate the intrigue and the power struggles of the Habsburg court. So basically, I was like, okay, I don't know who this woman is. So I Googled it. It's kind of sad. I don't want to spoil anything. But she had a tough, tough life as the empress. It doesn't seem like she was suited to the perhaps... Kind of backstabbing and political intrigue that was going on. But so basically, she was beloved by the uh, Austrian people hun- in ho- Hungarian people. Sorry, I couldn't say that. And so then when I was Googling it, I found out that basically the stuff that happens in her family, all of these different events happen. And so then that all leads to uh Franz Joseph's, I think nephew, eventually becoming emperor, and then him being assassinated leads to World War One. World one, yes, uh, yeah. So we're not there yet. So this just tells her story. So if you, there's a like, you remember the History Channel? Is that still mm-hmm. a thing? Yeah. There's uh the history channel there's like an article if you google it so just you know just quickly uh go through that and you'll be up to speed i like it so far i'm on i think the third or fourth episode beautiful to look at beautiful sets beautiful costumes uh scenery is gorgeous the film is gorgeous the lighting's gorgeous uh apparently not historically accurate at all (laughs) and i would
0: imagine since it's you said it's a it's ger- a German production yeah. we probably don't know most of these the cast right
1: right I have never heard of any of the actors and actresses so we'll just we'll just skip that go into it and see what happens for you for you but if you like i we talk about it every once in a while if you like uh, a period piece really um like gorgeous costumes and, you know, it's beautiful to look at. If you don't really, if you're not uh, super concerned with historical accuracy, but you want to be visually delighted, then you should probably check it out.
0: Okay. (laughs) That's The Empress and it's on? Netflix. Netflix. Okay. So I also want to talk about a period piece, but in a way, the fact that it's a period piece almost doesn't matter. It's a movie called The Outfit which is available on Amazon Prime, Google, YouTube, etc. Okay, this is a suspenseful 2022 thriller starring Mark Rylance as Leonard, an English tailor who now operates a shop in a Chicago neighborhood controlled by an Irish mob boss. And this is after World War II, so like late 40s, early 50s. Why did you go?
1: I heard about this months ago months ago and was like looking forward to the release. And then I just kind of forgot about it. So I'm, I'm eager to hear what you thought.
0: Okay. So Ryle Lance uh, won an Academy award playing a spy in Spielberg's bridge of spies in 2015. Mm
1: -hmm. And like
0: that portrayal Leonard is a man who appears quiet and reserved, but has a lot going on under the surface. Okay. So Leonard, uh, like I said, operates this shop. We would call him a tailor, but he makes a big point of saying a tailor is somebody who just sews on buttons on clothing. I'm a cutter. And by that, he means he's he actually takes your measurements. He cuts out the fabric. He carefully mm-hmm. puts it together. He sees how it hangs on you, et cetera. So he takes a lot of pride in his work. Well, the problem is his primary customers are gangsters and they have a drop box in his shop for some of their mm-hmm. nefarious activities. Three of the key gangsters are played by Johnny Flynn, who we've talked yeah. about on the show before, Dylan O'Brien, and Sir Russell Simon Beale. okay? Mm-hmm. One night, the gangsters discover that there appears to be a rat in their organization feeding information to the FBI. Who is it, okay? So they're they're all super tense trying to figure yeah. that out. So Leonard must use his wits to ensure that he and his assistant, Mabel, played by Zoe Deutsch, uh, survived this fateful night. That's about all I can say about the plot. The outfit was directed by Graham Moore from a screenplay he co-wrote with Jonathan McClain. When you watch this thing, it feels like a stage play almost, because almost the entire movie takes place in two rooms of the tailor mm-hmm. shop. So that gives us this uh, really claustrophobic feel that adds to the suspense. Ken Leonard and Mabel get out of the shop and out of this nightmare. The cast is great. The twists and turns are many. The outfit is highly recommended. So that's the outfit available on various streaming services. You should check it out.
1: Nice. That's, yeah, I'll watch it. um, Maybe I'll watch it tomorrow on my next day off. Yeah, I totally forgot about that, but I had seen... I don't know when I saw trailers, but I was like, Ooh, this looks, this looks really good. And then just whoop, out of, uh, out of sight, out of mind. So yeah. yeah, it's good.
0: I wish I could say more, but I can't say any more without revealing stuff that happens in the plot. So, okay. So if you don't have anything else, you've been doing pop culture rise. No. Zero. Zero. <laughs> Next time I will talk about, I'm reading a, a book from 2008 or 2009 called the good thief. By Hannah Tenty, and it's sort of an adventure story about this orphan with one of his arms ends in a stump, and he meets these characters and has all kinds of adventures in Colonial America. It's really really good so far, but I'll I'll, I'll talk about it next time. I do want to mention this morning I listened to Mike Bodie, who does our theme music uh, yeah. and bumpers and uh, outro. Uh, he and I taped a special a uh, show for Owens College Community Radio. I think that's it. it or, or it's either Owens Community College Radio. It's OCCR. Uh, <laughs> Mike is a, a professor at Owens. And Mike and his wife, Mary Kay. Sixteen years have done this collection of holiday music called Cool Yule, and it's songs off the beaten track, um, interesting arrangements. Uh, there's funny ones. There's just beautiful ones. It's it's great. I've discovered a ton of great music uh, through these collections, and so he and I did a a show for Owens um, at the request of the program director there, uh, which we talk about some of our favorite songs on Cool Yule. And uh, I listened to it this morning. Oh, my gosh. It's really good. Of course, the problem is (laughs) Owens Community College (laughs) has the type of license that will allow them to play copyrighted material. We do not. So we'll have to I'll have to edit out the parts of the show where the music is and then direct people to our Spotify. But people will hear that somewhere around Thanksgiving, early December. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. cool. (laughs)
0: <laughs> all right well kate where can people find us
1: people can find us on uh facebook and instagram at papaholics podcast on twitter at papaholics and then please if you have uh new streaming new books new whatever you want to talk about send us an email to at at gmail.com
0: okay i think that's it for me uh this is papaholics i'm steve hall i'm kate hall go out and enjoy pop culture
1: Bye.